You know, last week I was in Romania. I was in Romania and I was visiting some of the orphans from one of the orphanages, surprisingly. And they're not babies now, they're, they're still the young teens. It's amazing when you're ministering to young people. Young people are searching. In fact, it's not just young people, it's everybody. But young people, you see it very early in young people. They're searching for identity. Now, we think sometimes when we get older, we've found our identity. We've got a job. We've got married. We may have children. But deep down within your heart, you can still be longing and looking for identity. And I knew as a young man growing up, my father never gave me that identity. Now, that's fine. I found it in Christ, and I found it in many other ways. But, and then later on, me and my dad, it was okay. But the issue is, these young people, just like many of you, are looking for identity. And identity, a lack of identity, sees you try many, many things you don't need to try. And it sends people in so many different directions and so many paths that lead to destruction. Why? Because inside there's something in the soul that longs for not only identity but affirmation. To be told you're appreciated, you're loved, you're doing well is a wonderful, beautiful liberty that needs to come from parents. So these children, this girl says to me, I, 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 was, I did a Q&A with these, with these uh, young people and uh, it was great because they just loved it. And while they were doing that, one girl sat beside me, and, and Z, she was, I've seen your daughter in the future. Danielle, I've seen her in the future. This girl reminded me of your daughter. She was only 14. And I'm talking, and I'm asking them questions, and this young girl says, I can't answer that question. So you know when you think, okay, landmine, move on. So I'm, I'm continue talking, and I, I said something else, and I asked her, can't answer that question. Okay, landmine too, move on. And then you find that there's certain landmines in this circle that you're talking to and you're thinking, how do we get the elephant out of the room here? Do we just detonate everything? But that's not good because these are, these are precious lives. So then afterwards, we, we end up talking and uh, I finally get to talk to them on a one-to-one -on -one basis. Then they tell me they're orphans and I think, oh, okay, now I understand why some of these landmines were in the room. And then she's, this young girl says to me, she says, I really want what you're talking about, but I can just not see ever my life ever getting that. And you know, I just want to pick her up and cuddle her and bring her home and think, sweetheart, you can have it. So then they take me out for pizza at the night time. Do I want pizza? No. But they're taking me out for pizza and then they're doing musical chairs, they're changing around so they can all have Q&A with me, which was fantastic. It really was fantastic, these young people. And this young girl again, she comes round again. So she's heard something that she likes, but she's, she's hesitant, can I believe it? That's where many of you are at. You've heard it, I like what I'm saying, but can I really take this to the bank? Yeah? So then God has to come again and again and again to encourage us, to lift us to that place. Faith has to come and how does faith come? It comes by hearing and keep on hearing. So you need to keep on hearing until you come into faith. And this girl, you know, I, I say I, wanted to, I had an affection. As soon as I saw the, 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 the soul, I, I just wanted to pick her up because I'm a father. I'm a father. And I wanted to pick her up 
And I wanted to cuddle her and da-da-da and just whisper sweet things into her ears, but you know that's not appropriate. So by the time we finished and I, I prophesied, on the Sunday morning, it was like the munchkins. They all come running in and they've all got the books and notepads. Speak to me again. And I just thought, how refreshing it is to find a generation who are looking for identity and are looking for, for identity in God as well as identity in other areas. And they're all there with the phones. Speak, 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 prophesy, prophesy, prophesy into my life. And I don't turn on prophecy because it's not, it's not just something we play with. But there's a time and a place when you call on heaven, you say, Father, you've got something for these young people. I may not see these young people for another six, 12 months. So give me something. Give me something in the spirit to really encourage these people. Now, I'd been speaking for eight hours. Eight hours. They let me have dinner. They're good. Give me a drink of water. But when you go out and you speak, you have to have something to say. And you've got to hear God. Because these people are waiting. Young people, just like you. They're waiting for God to speak to them and reveal something about their life. And I just find it's, it's wonderful to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right things, getting the right results with the right people. That is an amazing, that's amazing look, if that's what you want to call it. No, I don't call it look, I call it God incident. It's not coincident, it's destiny, God incident. God had me there, and given the fact that what happened in here last week, not last week, the week before, was it now? I forgot now. The other week, I was going to cancel that trip. And Sam says to me, she said, you need to go, you should be there. She said, she said to me, you should go. And I thought, that's good, that's good coming from her future daughter-in-law. I like the word of the Lord coming to me. She says, you need to be there because there's something on the other side and you need to be there. Don't let this distract you. And I thought, she's right, absolutely. And then when you're in that room and you're talking destiny to these young people, you think, absolutely. And now I'm here this Sunday speaking destiny to you. So as I was praying this week, Gareth, you came into my mind again. Part two of your prophetic word. And I felt the Lord say to me that, when you were in the air and it was turbulent and you didn't know whether, there was a, whether you would ever find a landing strip and the Lord graciously by his own hand find you a landing strip, he says, learn the lesson of air traffic control. Air traffic control is the people that give you ground clearance and let you come in. Now, that is the ultimate air traffic control. But God gives us people in our lives, leaders in our lives, who allow us to say, you're now ready for takeoff. Follow runway. There's not just any runway. Your aircraft has to take off on the right runway. You know, if you're in a small aircraft and you take off and a 747 has took off before you, do you know that will kill your plane? Because the wind behind it will cause your plane to spin. Every plane that takes off has to be a certain size. Small aircraft on small runways. Big aircraft on big runways. So I thought the Lord said to me, learn the lesson of the air traffic control. Learn to tune your ear, tune the ways to the Lord. And the Lord said he'll give you clearance in the days ahead. <clears throat> you know, when I pray, 
I pray for everybody, but I don't always get a word for everybody. And that's right, and that's good and proper. So take that, do what you want with it. It's your word now. I released it. I was the postman. Jeremiah 6.16 says this. This is what the Lord says. So when we read a scripture and it says, this is what the Lord says, guess who's speaking? So I'll read you what the Lord says. And if you hear God through my voice, then that's a win-win. This is what the Lord says. He says in Jeremiah 6.16. Stand at the crossroads and look. Step one. Some people will come into this church, and this is the crossroads. There are crossroads in their life. They'll come in through the door. They'll taste the atmosphere, and they'll go, nope, not for me. And they'll do a runner. Remember the first day I told you, that the first day I ever walked into this church, and they were all worshipping like this, I thought they were a bunch of nutters. And then I realized they were absolutely nutters, but they were nutters with at least a sense of understanding that I didn't have. And I made a vow walking out the door, walking across this bridge just to the left of me here. And I made a vow that says I will never, ever step back into this building. Never say never to God. That was my crossroads moment. I looked and I did not like what I saw. You may be at a crossroads moment this morning. You may be looking at me and thinking, I don't like what I see. Get over it. I don't always like what I see in the morning when I look in the mirror. So that's two of us. The only person who needs to love me is my wife and God. God says, I've seen you in the morning, Tony. I've seen you at the night. Say no more. So he says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads. And I've said this year that we, we are a church. We're at a crossroads. We're trying to turn this thing inside out. Because we become too comfortable sitting down on our blessed assurance. And it's time to go and reach people that need our help. I am praying that when we catch the burglars, I will go and visit them in prison. Jesus said, when you're in prison, I visited you. I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to say to the prison guard, you look left, you look right, let me just take one punch at them. That's part of me. But the point is, there's a lesson in here for us to learn. Love those who do you wrong. And I'm learning another lesson about burglaries, and, and it's coming around twice, and I'm doing well so far, doing really well. And the lesson is this, when you get burgled, the first thing that you will get upset about is that you will lose what you were attached to. And earthly attachments mess you up. So what I did after my, after my first burglary, when Carol and I got burgled some years ago, the first thing I did, they, they stole my guitar that my mum bought me. And that's okay. And I thought, okay, the insurance will replace it. But you know, insurance replacing it, the, the job of the insurance is not to replace sentimentality. They can't replace sentimentality. They replace goods. You can't put a price on sentimentality. So the first thing I did when I got this guitar back, I said, I don't own you. You should show me you can easily come and easily go. But sometime later, I was in a meeting... And uh, an Argentinian pastor called Hector Jimenez, big pastor, and he was I forget what he was talking about that night, and God says, you've still got one level of attachment left. I thought, what, you want me to give me your wife away? <laughs> I says, no, 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 you can't give your wife away, she's yours. He said, you've got your father's ring. Ooh. Now remember, 
The story, I've often told you about me and my father and how God did a supernatural divine work there, healing, 20 odd years. He said, give it away in the offering. And I give it away. I thought, I will not be controlled by any earthly attachments. So when we get burgled again and the, and the replacement of the guitar goes missing, it's one of those, okay. It's not affected me. Why? Because I told that guitar, you're not mine. And I learned a very powerful lesson, guys. And I want you to learn the same lesson. Be careful what you attach yourself to. Job lost everything. Now you say, well, it's only natural. My mother gave me this. I understand that. And that's why I'm telling you to be very careful. You can't take it with you. You can't take anything with you. All you can take is you and what you've, what you've got in God. You can't even take your wife and your children with you. You can just go as your own. You stand on your Jack Jones, as we say. And you walk in. When you die, you go and it's you and God. He'll say, did you bring your treasures with you? Yes, they're in here. You can't say, there isn't a butler at the gates of heaven. Yes, bring them to my room. There isn't one of those. Don't expect the, the apostles to pick up your garbage. They also had, what did Jesus say? He emptied himself on the cross. So he took nothing with him. So you and I be very careful. That's a warning I would like to give to you this morning. Be very careful. Enjoy the things you have. Enjoy them because they are nice and memories are precious. But remember, they can all be taken away in a moment and then you're left. God has a way. Sometimes a disaster can be like the fire. It can burn up and then what's left will reveal what truly is meaningful in your life. And I've learned that People are the most precious thing in life. God told me many years ago, he said to me, if there's a fight, there was a fight. And this was, he spoke to me then. So this applied at that time God spoke to me. God said to me, your church is on fire. Who are you going to save first? That was the question God asked me. And I remember a member of our congregation got really offended because I didn't choose them. And I told the people what the answer was at the time. That's not God. Did God speak to you? No. God spoke to me. I knew exactly what God was saying. And that's been the path that I've gone down. And God said to me when he said that, he said, you've chosen right. Oui. So I knew I wasn't getting a rebuke. But this guy wasn't happy that I chose him. Well, maybe you need to talk to the same God who asked me the question. And find out why you're not in there. So the issue is, is be very careful what you're attached to. Yes? You promise? Fibbers. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. So the first thing to do is look. Second thing he says is ask. Ask for the ancient path. There is a way that men have been walking and have found favor in the sight of God and have found uh, blessing on this earth, you need to ask for that way. Don't ask the way that everybody else is going because our Bible tells us broad is that path. And many, many, that, many on that path are going to be led to destruction. But there is another path. There's another way. Yes? It's still quite broad, but it's not 
as broad as this one, and many are on there are going to destruction, but on this path, it's going the opposite way. That's what we've got to be careful of, because cares, riches, and pleasures are the very things that we become attached to. We've got to be very careful. So we said, ask where the good way is. These young people were asking me where the good way was. And I thank God that I was able to sit and talk with them. Ask where the good way is. And then what did it say? So first of all, we, say, we see look. Then we see ask. And then we see the word walk. Walk in it. Some of us look but never ask. Some of us ask, look and ask, but then never walk. Look. Ask. And walk. For many of us, we've been looking for too long. And what was it? What Bono sang? And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Bono said it so clearly in his song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. He's done a lot of looking, but he still hasn't found. And then other people have looked and they've talked and they've reasoned, but then they still refuse to walk in that way. It's amazing. It's amazing that people will look and walk, so look and ask and debate all day and talk all day and still will not do it. So, in our discipleship school, we're going to bring our students back to the start. Why do you do that? I'll tell you why. The greatest transition, I can't say it, these are my own teeth. The greatest transition you and I will ever make is this. Watch. Unlearn what you've learned. Step two. When you unlearn, you learn. Okay? And when you've un- unlearned and learned, now you relearn. You can see that went right over your heads. We accumulate a lot of stuff in our life. And very often in the Christian walk, a lot of stuff we've learned has been little bits here, little bits there. We graph little bits in and we try to make sense of it. And because there's no formulate pattern, we've got little bits and we try to operate. And what we do, we miss the principle behind the little bits. Yeah? Because everything that God shares with us in Scripture, there's a principle behind it. And if you just get something and you misinterpret that, you'll end up struggling, thinking, why isn't this working? Because you've only got one aspect. You heard what you want to hear, but you didn't understand the principle behind it. So when our Bible tells us to give good measure, pressed down, shaken up, run together, people hear the word give and think it's money. The Bible, in this context, is not talking about money. But if you keep giving and listening to the preacher say, give, and it'll be given, they hear the word give, they hear the word receive, and they think, I like a bit of that, how much you want? Because now the preacher's appealing to your greed. Think about it. But in that context, he was not talking about money, he was talking about forgiveness. Read the scripture. So if you give forgiveness, your father will give you good measure, pour down in your lap. Because, why does he say that? Because he says, in the Lord's Prayer, he says, if you don't forgive others, how can your Heavenly Father forgive you? So if you forgive, God gives you good measure. Because forgiveness is the very center of our world. 
Jesus Christ forgave our sins. When you have no right to be forgiven, he gave himself for you. True? So we've got to get things, we've got to get God in context. We've got to understand. So to get God in context, sometimes we have to unlearn. And the older we get, the harder it is to learn. Because this is the phrase that you all say. You're messing with me head now. You're messing with me head. And what we're saying is, I can't relearn, I'm too old. Now, you know, I hate, remember the old videos? I used to hate programming those suckers. Because they used to get under my skin. And then I thought to myself, I'm going to master this sucker. Why? Because those things always took me to the manual. And I don't like reading the manual. I like to play with things. That's how I learn. And if I have to read something before I have to do it, there's no fun in that. I want to play with something, break it, and then fix it. Andy likes to open up the manual and have a good read. And he's still in the box. I can't do that. It's got to come out of the box first. At least I've got to look at it. I've got to be able to touch it, stroke it, feel it. No fun in reading the manual. But only if you can't get it working, I then go to the manual and think, curse you because you're making me read. But in this book, you've got to read the manual before you do it. And keep reading the manual. Because I don't know about you, I've been doing this thing a long time now, and I still have to keep going back to the manual. True? The people say that there's no manual for parenting. Yes, there is. Yes, there is one in there. Oh, there's no manual for finance. Yes, there is there's one in there. Bible tells me, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, teaching people in righteousness, all scripture. Yeah, even the Old Testament, even the genealogies. But if God speaks to you through the genealogies, he's giving you something that's useful. True? So he says, stand at the crossroads, look, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. There's a good way, but you've got to unlearn sometimes to relearn, to learn. I'm finding myself at 50 something years, constantly unlearning, undoing, relearning to learn. And it's a wonderful experience because my school days was not one of learning. My school days was one of escape. That's what I felt school was, prison. So you get out of it. But later on in life, you've got to learn. And I found even with my own family that a lot of things that were said and done, I had to unlearn. And then when I came into Christianity, God had to teach me. So I learned. And now I'm finding I'm still relearning. I'm in that constant cycle. Yes? And learning is good for you. It's good for you. But, you know, to be, to learn, you cannot always be comfortable. I've learned that. That's something I've learned. That learning is not always comfortable. And I'll tell you something else that Phil has alluded to just recently. For every education you get, there's always a cost. Education is not free. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking about school education now. Whenever you learn something very powerful, it always comes at a cost. Sometimes it's monetary cost, sometimes it's emotional cost, sometimes it's physical, 
cost. There's many, many different costs. Education, when God teaches you, nothing is free. Think about this. You know, it'd be nice to just be in a safe, peaceful world and God teach me everything that I need to know. But it doesn't work. He teaches me through tragedy. He gives us an education through tragedy. He gives me an education sat in that midst with those Romanian girls, in the midst of that pain. It's cost somebody. It's cost those girls for me to have an education, to empathize and sympathize and understand how orphans feel. It's cost somebody somewhere. Education is never free, my friend. Now, I know if you go to university, there's there's costs. We know there are definitely physical, financial costs. But there's so many areas in life where we learn and there's a cost. But nothing to do with money. So he says, walk in it. And this is what happens when you look, you ask, and you walk. Do you know what happens then? And then you find rest for your soul. And find rest. Could it be that a lot of the unrest that we find in people's soul is because they've not asked. They're walking in the wrong way. Could it be that? I think so. A lot of it is that people are going in the wrong way in life. They've been forced into directions or they make choices to go in directions. Especially young people, they're they're so keen on following peer pressure that our kids are going into so many different directions. But there is rest for your soul, my friends. There is rest for your souls. But you've got to ask God the good way. Why? Because he's a good father. He wants to give you the good way. Some of you have been Christians for a long time. And you still don't know God at the level you should. Some of you have been Christians five minutes and you know God probably more deeper than someone who's been a Christian a long time. Why? Because... It depends who's talking to you. The one who talks to you can accelerate you and advance you or it can side. So, how many would you like to, like this scripture, turn to Isaiah 30, 21. I've read this scripture to you before. I'm just going off script this morning because I just sense I need to. I have a, I have a complete pathway here. Always have a pathway. But I'm, I just feel I need to go somewhere. I'm fishing. I'm trying to get the spot. So just stay with me for a minute, okay? When I go, I'm going. Isaiah, sorry, 30, verse 21. I came to say one thing, but if I feel in God is trying to say something else. So I'm just, just stay with me, okay? Isaiah 30, 21, he says, whether you turn to the right or the left, Your ears will hear a voice. You'll hear a voice saying to you, this is the way, walk in it. Who wants that voice? Okay, we'll try that again a second time. Maybe you didn't hear me, so I'll say it a little bit louder. Who would like to be walking and hear that voice saying to them, walk this way, not that way? Ah, now you all want it. Okay, so I mustn't have been louder the first time. You have to know the voice. You have to know the voice. The voice is not just a voice. The voice is a person. And the voice and the person is Jesus Christ. Or in many times it's the Holy Spirit speaking the voice of the Father. 
Okay? Okay? The voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. So whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. There is a way. There's a way to walk. And there's a direction for you and I to walk in. And God is so keen on you finding this way in your life that you try a little bit of this, a little bit of Monica, a little bit of Jessica, a little bit of Rita on the side. No, no, no. God doesn't want that kind of mamba mamba. God wants you to walk in a way, a specific way that's going to bring your life into accuracy, stability, and fulfillment. Yeah? I don't use the word blessing because that means something to every one of us. God wants accuracy. God wants consistency. And God wants substance from our lives. So there has to be a voice guiding you. There has to be a voice. Because your voice, your voice inside your own subconscious is a very strong voice. It says, get up, eat. I want a me day today. What kind of voice is that? It's a selfish day. And every one of us has got a me day in us. I like me days, by the way. Do you know what I like me days? Because it's not a you day. And that's how you think about. When you say a me day, it means it's not you. It's about me today. So Kettle and I always laugh about this. I say, what day is it today? Is it Monday? Or is it me day? Is it you day? Is it our day? We day? Whatever it is. Let us know what day it is so I can adjust. And some days it's a, it's a carol day. So dad follows. Other days, no, no, calm down. I'm the one with the microphone now. Other days, it's a me day and Carol follows. And then we go out for a meal and then we say, where do you want to go? And Carol goes, I don't know. What do you think? And then you tell her. And then what she do? I don't want to go there. <laughs> so she doesn't know where she wants to go. She just, doesn't know, she just knows where she doesn't want to go. So we laugh about that. I look at the car, I put the key in the, in the engine, and I say, I talk to the car. She said, what are you doing? I said, well, the car, you seem to think the car needs, knows where it's going. You don't tell me. Cars work on operations. Tell me where we're going, and we're led in that direction. And it's the same with God. In many ways, he said, you know, you want to go here, you want to go there, you want to go there, but you won't listen to where I want you to go. The Bible tells us very clearly, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things. The things, the me, myself, the I, will get dealt with. So he says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk here. Excuse me. This is the voice that God wants us to hear. And this is the voice I'm so, so determined to try and help you discover. Because I see the number one issue in Christianity is when people cannot hear God, this is what happens, watch. When people cannot hear God, they instantly then create a substitute on the ground. So now we build furniture. Now we build incense, nonsense. Bells, smells, incense, nonsense. Why? Because now, because we can't hear God, we've now got to create another version of what we think God's after, which normally means people get pushed further away from God and man stands in the middle. 
And now people are coming to man and listening to man and all these requirements. And now man feels so powerful that he's got all these people jumping through his hoops. When God just stands and says, hang on a minute, you're only here because you can't hear me. And you can't help them to hear me. I really don't need you. I choose you. I choose to use you. But the moment you can't hear me, we're in trouble. And half of the stuff that you and I end up doing, some of the calls we make, some of the therapy we've, we've taken, a lot of that, not all, a lot of it could be saved if you could just hear the voice of God. I'm telling you, if you could just hear the voice of God for yourself, for your life, your decisions and choices will be so much different. Can you imagine this? It would be nice. I'm not talking about a voice shouting out of heaven, shouting, Tony! I'm talking about through relationship with God, I, can, I know when he's speaking to me. I can be guided internally. I don't need Tony! Because that's, you know, it's a bit weird. But no, that happens in the Bible. That's happened many times. I have had that experience. But guess what? That's only very, very, very seldom. And normally, I was stupid and immature. So God spoke up just like I did to you. So he got me attention. Oh, ah, okay. But now he speaks to me internally. He speaks to me through his word. He speaks to me through songs. He speaks to me through conversations. He speaks to me so many different ways. Now I'm learning how to process what God is saying to me. I can have a better, more meaningful, more productive relationship. I don't want to come to church and have to bow down and give it all this, you know, and kiss the Father's ring and all that. All that's nonsense. I don't know where you've been or what you've been doing. I know that's your journey because I've been there myself. I've been there and seen Darth Vader. You know, you know, it's just nonsense. I'm so liberated now in God. I'm so liberated that I can worship like we worship this morning. And every one of you is free. And everyone can just say he's a good, good father. And he's all our father, but yet he's your father and he's our father. Where when I went to the churches I went to is I'm the father. I'm the father. Hello, be my name. You know? I don't want that. I want relationship. I want to be able to go in and skip like a calf some days. And other days, go in there, cry my eyes out to him if I need to. And other days, just be myself. Yeah? I'm a grown man. Grown men don't cry. You do when you walk with God. <coughs> when, you see, when you see precious uh, young girls and, and lads like I saw last week, you'll cry. You'll feel empathy. You'll feel sympathy. You'll feel you want to do something. And God has to take you to places to show you things. Education costs you. I don't like flying. I don't like flying. There's no fun in flying. You wait in airports, spend money you don't want to spend to sit on planes, and then I'm sat next to a Unitarian. A woman, a Unitarian. And I says to her, and she's telling me, she's giving me the virtues. She says, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. Oh, that's interesting. And I knew she was with a group of, of Christians because I heard them all in the airport. They're all Americans. And then you had, had an Irish contingency. So I was 
for some reason, Cluj was full of Christians last, last week. So I'm sat next to her, and I said to her, you know, you roll the dice. So I said, well, what, what is Unitarianism then? She said, oh, we believe that there's many ways to Christ. So I just said to her, that's really interesting, that. I thought, do I roll the dice? She's sat near the window. She can't get out. She's 80 odd. She can't move that fast anyway. So I thought, she's, she's, she sat at the side. I thought, let's roll the dice. You know, the naughty boy inside me said, let's roll it. So I said, well, it's funny because Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. I said, well, how do you interpret that? She looks at me. Well, I guess that's just one of the ways. And I said, no, he didn't say a way. He said, the way. She couldn't answer the question. So I asked her the next question, what do you think of Donald? She had more to say about Donald than she did about Jesus Christ. She knew which way to send Donald. And the issue is this, is what has she been told? She hasn't yet. She's 80 odd and she still hasn't found a way. We do not have a a pantheist gospel always anyway. We have the way. That's why we need to hear the voice. If If all ways lead to God, we can do anything we want at any time. But we don't and we can't. There is a way, and in order to find this way, we have to hear the voice. The voice of God. Christianity would be so much enhanced if people could hear his voice. Can you imagine if we could all hear God's voice clearly? Yeah? I mean, it would be wonderful if we could all... The one gift that God didn't give to mankind is shared conscience. So I can't link my mind to, to, to Chris's. And I still haven't understood how Carol thinks. And she hasn't understood how I think. Right? doesn't matter how much time we spend in each other's presence. like you and I just sometimes are on a different path. Right? Yeah. But in God, we all share the consciousness of God through the Holy Spirit. We can all be worshipping and all be receiving from the Father. His thoughts to us this morning were shared. He's a good, good Father. So we shared. So in the Spirit, we have a shared conscience in the spirit not with one another but with God yes I still can't read your mind and you still can't read my mind some things are private and I'm glad that you can't read my mind sometimes you can read my mind body language is a great way you know so but that's it's still unpredictable the more I know some of you the more unpredictable you become and it's the same with me so at least with God God's the same today yesterday and forevermore that's pretty solid So when he shares his hearts and his thoughts towards us, there's always a way. God does not just randomly speak. God speaks to keep us on the path, to keep us in the way, listen, and to keep us in the truth. Because he said, if you follow me, you cannot hear God and not follow him. What would the point of God speaking to us if if there's no desire to follow him? Now, there's a mercy, there's mercy of God. He'll speak to us knowing that you may, you're going to go another way, but at least he gives you the opportunity. Are you with me? I'm going to find a verse for you. This is going to shock you. Well, first of all, let's just go to 1 Samuel. We're closing down now. I'm still fishing. Still trying to release the load. 
Some days it's so much easier just to stick to what you've prepared. But then other times you stand up and God says, no, you're not going that way. Why? Because I'm sensing his voice. And sometimes you've got to go off your comfort zone, okay? So this sounds a little bit, it is. (laughs) So 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9. So Eli told Samuel, it's a story here where a young man is trying to be trained in the voice of God because God wants to use this man in the future as Israel's greatest prophet. Okay? So let me just say that again because I know when you were looking for it, you just didn't hear what I just said. There was a time, there is a time where God has to train you because he sees what you're going to become. And in order to see what you're going to become, he has to train you, hence why your word. But you've got to find your traffic, air traffic control and be in sync with them. If they say, don't move, don't move. If they say, go, go. If he says, proceed to the, to the end of the runway, and you're getting all excited, and he says, no, pull back. Why? Because he knows what's ahead. So Samuel was Israel's greatest prophet. Greatest. What kind? Greatest. And he was so significant to that nation that he had such an, a relationship between heaven and earth that wherever he walked, Israel was always protected. Now, how would you like that in your family? That you have such a relationship with God that where, whatever territory you're in, everybody in your territory is kept safe. Well, that's exactly what God wants. Because that's called the kingdom of God. God wants you to have such a relationship with him that you can hear and just by one word, you can keep your sons and daughters out of trouble. Because our kids don't want to hear what mom and dad have to say. They just want you to send the money to bail them out. So we have to keep hearing God and keep hearing God and keep believing in God and keep praying what we hear Keep sowing it in the spirit. Why? So that all our territory is kept safe. And here Eli was just a young boy. And listen to what he said. He's here, he hears a voice. And right now he thinks he's going crazy. He hears a voice. Now, the last time you heard a voice in your head, you went to the doctors. And this is what the doctor says when you hear, when you hear a voice in your head. It's all in your mind. That's what the doctor told me. It's all in your mind. At that time, I wanted to drag him over the counter and punch him. Seriously. Because I was so frustrated with his answer. I needed help. Now, this wasn't God at this time. This was me. I was sick at the time. And he said, it's all in your head. All in your head. I'll show you what's in my head in a minute. So you can imagine this young boy hearing God. And all of a sudden he thinks, am I going crazy? Am I hearing voices? Hearing voices is not a good medical sign. So then thank God that there's a man close by who can hear the, the God and he knows that how God speaks so we can instruct this young boy in the ways. That's what you and I need. Someone who can instruct us in the ways so that when you're hearing voices, it, you don't go to the doctors. You know exactly it's the Lord. You know how God speaks to us. Because he's a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you so much that you want to talk to me. And I love you so much that I want to talk back to you. So he says here, go lie down. 
Can you imagine? I went to my pastor some years ago and said, I think I've heard God speak. He said, God doesn't speak. What? So when, when someone tells you God doesn't speak, now you think it's a voice in your head. What are you going to do with that? Well, I learned later on, God does speak. So he says, so Samuel went lay down in his place. May I suggest some of you go back to your place. Find that place where you can hear God speak. Yes? Find that place. And the Lord came and stood there in that place. God is not going to follow you around everywhere. But you need a place so you can hear God. Listen to what he says. And God stood there calling as at other times. So God had been speaking, but there was times when he couldn't hear. Hmm. That kind of sign of rings, it kind of rings a bell, that. that so God's been speaking, and because he wasn't trained, God had been speaking despite him not understanding. So is it possible, is it possible, church, this morning, that God may have been speaking to you, and you've not understood how God speaks, so therefore, you've never heard him. But now, all of a sudden, you're in a place, and you're hearing God speak, and you're thinking, this is strange. And it is strange when it's your first encounter. But God had to bring you into a place to show you that there's a man here, a Mancunian man, who can hear God. And you know, there's not only me, there's a lot of other people in this room can hear God. And we're all hearing the same voice. Even though, John, when you hear God, do you hear God speak to you in, in your language? Or do you speak to him in English? does he speak to you in English? Or can it change? Think about it. So what about you, Edna? So it can be English. So God's not bound by language. He's funny enough, he doesn't speak to me. <laughs> Only in English. Mancun in English. God's not troubled by the language you speak. God will speak to these people in different ways. Because why? Because they've got that ability and capacity to understand God, whether he speaks in your dialect. What's your dialect? Bemba. See? God speaks Bemba. It's official this morning. And God speaks Mancunian. God speaks Australian. God speaks Swahili. God speaks French. God speaks all languages. Why? Because he's the God of the nations. So language is not going to be a problem to God. Hearing's the problem. So here he is. He lies down in his place and he comes and stands there as calling us at the other times. And then you hear the, vo- then you hear the word, Samuel. Samuel. Then Samuel spoke. For your servant is listening. Now he's learning to respond to that voice. He's not quite sure what it is. But he thinks, I'm hearing my name. At least I'll say, who is it? Yeah? Who is it? So now he goes, Samuel, Samuel, your servant. Notice how he respond. I'm a servant and I'm listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hear it tingle. That's why prophecy is so important. Because as I speak or you speak, we speak prophecy. It inspires the ears of the heart. I love it when that word comes to me. And it inspires the words, the ears of my heart. And I get excited that God is about to do something new. And it gives me hope. 
for the future. It gives me hope. That's God calling right now. <laughs> Tell him, Cheryl, I'm busy. It's amazing. See, we all heard that. We all heard the phone, didn't we? We all recognized that phone, didn't we? We all knew when we heard a noise it was a phone. Why? Because you're just trained to hear it. It doesn't matter what tune it plays, you know it's a phone. That's the same with languages. God has a way, you know at the end of the day, someone is on the other end of that. Now, that phone call is probably telesales. <laughs> is it Ella's phone? Okay. That's my granddaughter's. Well, who's ringing her anyway? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> so the issue is, is God hasn't got a problem calling. The problem is, can you hear? And pick up the phone. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand to your feet. And I'm going to see if God calls your phone right now. Get ready, boys. Let's see if God picks up your... Let's see if God calls your number right now. Who was it who sang, I just called to say I love you? Stevie Wonder. Well, God's been calling all day to tell you that he loves you. And you haven't picked the phone up. And you haven't picked the phone up. And God says, I'm still ringing. I'm the voice on the other end of that phone. And all I need is for you to pick up that phone and have a conversation with me. And hear what I'm about to declare in your midst. Some of you have heard me this morning. Others have heard God speak through me. But just close your eyes, if you will. Just focus on heaven for a minute. Because heaven's only one thought away. It's that close. Heaven's not a million miles away. Heaven's so close that you can almost just touch it and step into it. It really is that close, believe me. When you can't see anything, you and I instantly interpret that as being something's a million miles away. It's not true. Jesus is a lot closer than you think. And he's been calling your phone, he's been calling your heart, he's been calling your spirit for a long time now. And he's saying, this morning, it's time for you to pick up the phone and respond to the word that I'm about to speak to you, not what I'm about, what he's about to speak to you. For too long you've been searching. You've been doing things you shouldn't be doing. You've been playing maybe in areas you shouldn't have played. And the phone call comes. Yes, he's good. He's a good, good father. That's who he is, yes. That's not going to change. Because God says, I don't change. You need to change. Why? Because God is sinless. God is perfect in all of his ways. A man who's perfect does not have to change. You are the clay. He is the potter. And the clay is constantly has need to be reformed and remolded. But it needs a hand to form that clay. Picture the thumb going right in and, and shaping and forming you and fashioning you in your emotions and in your, in your mind and in your, in your health and your body. And, and God's doing this and God wants to do this. He wants to put you on his wheel and sculpture you into something beautiful. And he wants to paint you and decorate you. And, and, and because why? Because you are priceless and, and you're worth something to him. And this is what God wants to, to really communicate to you this morning. That God is a good, good father. And whatever your understanding of a father is, 
It's nothing compared to what he really is. So God, break through this morning. Break through, Lodge. Break down the walls this morning. Break through the barriers this morning of people's hearts. And speak. Speak into the barrenness. Speak into the hopelessness. Speak into the confusion. Speak into the darkness. And really speak into those lives this morning, Father. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father. My God, my God. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, how great thou art. Father. Show yourself, Lord. In a very powerful way. So you've heard the word this morning. Question is, what will you do with it? Maybe as I've been speaking this morning, you've heard a voice inside your heart. Everything's been lining up with what you've been feeling and sensing. That's, that's the confirmation that God's been speaking to you. That's just one of the ways that God speaks. He confirms what you're feeling. And what you're feeling is because he's been speaking to you before you got here. And when you hear his word, it, conf it, it, it confirms and it convicts. And it exposes what's been hidden. So maybe you're in that place this morning. I'm going to ask you right now, as we're all, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's the first start of hearing the voice of God. It's coming to Jesus Christ because Jesus is the only way. He's the truth and he's the life. He says that himself and being a Christian is about following that way, holding to that truth and becoming that life. That's what makes us believers. So if that's you this morning, I want you to open up your heart and I want you to repeat this prayer after me if that's in your heart. Is Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing me here this morning. Thank you for giving me life. Give me another day so I could hear this message. You understand my confusion. Just pray this in your own heart. You understand my confusion, the darkness, the complication in my life, the situation. And I believe you're the way. I come before you this morning. And I'm asking you to come into my life. Take my past. Wash it away. Forgive me. For trusting in my own ways. For ignoring better ways. This morning I come to the bottom of the cross. And I say, thank you for dying for me. And with my mouth, I confess that you are Lord. I confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And that now, the Bible says that if I, can, if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then I become a son and a daughter of the living God. And I start the journey of a brand new relationship. My past is gone. And my future is now in front of me. You say, is it that simple? That It's that simple. It's what Jesus did for you. Now, from this point on, you will do things for him. Yet it was all done. It was all done for you. 
All you have to do is accept that gift of faith is given to you. But once you accept, Jesus says, let me teach you the ways. Let me teach you my ways. Come, follow me. Put down your concerns, your nets, the things that entangle your life and follow me. But you said, but what about my family? He said, follow me. Trust me. But my husband's not saved. He's not a Christian. Follow me. Let me work on your behalf. The same God that comes to you will come to your husband. And your husband will have to make a choice. Or your wife will have to make a choice at that time. But what happens if they don't? That's a different issue. At the time, God will speak to you. He'll show you, give you the grace of how to live with somebody who doesn't believe and want the same things as you. You're married. That's fine. Learn the ways of the Spirit. You're now a Christian if that's you. So church, let's just applaud them. Those people who prayed, let's, let's, let's welcome them into the kingdom. The Bible says, the Bible says that when, when, a, when a prodigal or somebody comes into Christ, he is much loved, he's forgiven. Heaven is celebrating right now over one sinner. One sinner coming into the kingdom. That's how precious you are to God. Just one sinner. You think, was I a sinner? Yes, you was a sinner. You were born with sin, whether you had no, uh, you had no dealing with it, it was just the way it is. You were born with sin, but now you're forgiven. Amen? He is a good, good. That's who he is. And he's perfect in all his ways.